Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and thanks for tuning in. I am that nerd dad, Joel Williams, and I appreciate you stopping by for a short 30-minute visit. Uh, today's the interview show and we got a good one. We got Amber Mack, queen of Canadian tech. She has been demystifying the tech world for Canadians for the last, let's call it 15 years. It might be a little bit more, might be a little bit less, but uh, let's call it 15. She's very good at what she does. And uh, I look, I'm just as surprised as you are that she agreed to talk to me. So trust me, you'll enjoy this conversation. This is where I do that little part where I say, Wherever you're watching or listening to this, there's probably a subscribe button, a share button, a follow button, something in that regard. Hit that for me. Give a thumbs up or a five stars if there's something like that available. And then uh, I may have already said share, but tell a friend. That's the only way this grows. We're all in this together. You like it. You're, you're here. You're listening to it. It means a lot to me. It might mean a lot to someone else. All right, uh, here's Amber Mack. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Hello, and thanks for tuning in. And I am that nerd dad, Joe Williamson. And today I am with Amber Mack. Don't call her MacArthur, though, because I only found that name once anywhere. <laughs> it's on your <laughs> Wikipedia page. Uh she goes by Amber Mack. She's a, uh, she's a keynote speaker, best-selling author, president of Amber Mack Media. She's mom, and I'm giving you the title Queen of Canadian Tech. You've been on all the shows. You've done all the networks. You are beloved. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, and um, congratulations on the show. It's super exciting. Uh, who the hell knew? Uh, you've got your uh, current show that you're talking about right now is The Great Canadian Pivot, uh, which is you're talking about how Canadian businesses have had to lean in to tech during the last almost two years now. Uh, how have those conversations been going for you and what have you been learning from the business leaders? Yeah, it's a, a great question. So we started the Great Canadian Pivot in 2020. And uh, basically, we really just wanted this uh, um, umbrella show where we could throw businesses on the air, small businesses, medium sized businesses, and talk to them about how they were pivoting during COVID-19. And thankfully, we relaunched the show in 2022. And uh, Intel came on board. And we just launched our first episode with them and talking about um, how they have seen small, medium sized business businesses really pivot during uh, the pandemic, uh, particularly around how the businesses that have been able to really leverage the power of technology and digitize their businesses have been the ones that have been the most successful. So I think um, you've probably seen this, we've all seen this, you know, whether it's a, a small business that launched uh, an e-commerce store or, uh, you know, a medium-sized business uh, that really started investing in any type of digital technology, those businesses have been able to kind of plow through this really difficult time. 
you know, keeping in mind that, you know, I I try to talk parenting uh, through that lens. Have you seen the conversation with business owners lean towards, um, you know, the work-life balance and and people working at home with their kids potentially running around? Like, look, you can see this used to be a nursery. That's why the monkeys are up in the background. (laughs) So um, being able to lean into that environment, um, has that come up or has that become part of the conversation? Yeah, it really has. And I think that's one of the things that is uh, somewhat refreshing in terms of content in 2022. You know, we've all accepted that we do have these lives beyond the the four walls of the business world. And one of the things that um, we've talked about during the series, and we'll talk about it in upcoming uh, episodes, is really how many business owners are able to manage both being a, a parent, but also, again, uh, building a business in this digital age and just uh, basically uh, how they're able to pivot during this difficult time. And, and and the pivoting, you know, even though we talk a lot about business, I, I think you're exactly right. As parents, we've had to learn as well, you know, how do I continue to grow my business while I have a, a child at home, whether it's a, a young child or a tween or a teen, my son is 13. So I know I've experienced those challenges as well. And it's uh, at least a little bit refreshing to know that uh, many of us are going through the same thing. So the idea of having a 13 year old at home and, and I, you know, I affectionately refer to you as the queen of Canadian tech. Um, you have been kind of engrossed in this environment. Um, and, and I'm going to say that you have made the, the tech world more bite-sized for individuals. You make it so it's palatable. It's not so intimidating. Um, so I imagine your house has been filled with tech through his whole life. Um, and, and you, you know, if your kid gets more than 30 minutes of screen time a day, you're a terrible parent. So how <laughs> have you been able to kind of find that balance with him um, in terms of making tech part of your life without it necessarily overrunning your life? Well, I think one of the things that I always try to do, and I always try to advise parents to do this as well, is that uh, we shouldn't get too hung up on the organizations who say, you know, 30 minutes a day or one hour a day is the limit in terms of how much screen time your kid should have. Because one of the things you always want to look at is the the quality of what they're doing. So it's not about the the quantity in terms of those time limits. It's more about the the quality of their digital time. And a really simple way to think about it is that uh, if I think about my son when he was younger, under 10, you know, if he was sitting back just zoning out to YouTube videos for a couple hours a day, that was a problem. But if he was learning how to edit videos or play with his friends in Minecraft and collaborate to build things in a digital environment, I would be a little more relaxed about how much screen time he could have. So I think it's important for parents not to always focus on the exact time that their kids are online, but spend more time investing in the quality of those digital experiences. How do you know what is good quality for the kid? And, and, and you know, I'm my, I have a six-year-old. He's dabbling into Minecraft a little bit. Uh, we got him hooked up with a Prodigy membership, which is like a math-based game. And, and he loves that, which has been great. Um, but the there's only so much monitoring you can do when they're, when they're there. So what were the resources maybe you used or that, that you found helpful in, in helping your child decide what they can play or what they can look at? Well, one of the things I always like to think about, and you can think about it like um, the three C's. So uh, think about the three C's in terms of screen time as uh, creativity, 
consumption and uh, collaboration. So when I look at what my son is doing, again, I go back to this idea that if he's just consuming content, that isn't necessarily quality screen time. So if he's watching, you know, endless TikTok videos or watching <laughs> YouTube, uh, that isn't necessarily the best for him in terms of those extended periods. But if we look at creativity and collaboration, and you mentioned your child playing Minecraft, I mean, there's an example where kids do have to be creative, they do have to collaborate, and they're learning in this really unique environment. I think that's a different type of screen time. So I think for parents, if they think about those three C's, and uh, they err on the side of creativity and collaboration and stay away from consumption when possible, I think all of a sudden you start to move into these more quality spaces when it comes to digital time online. I love that. I'd never heard that before. That's fantastic. I'm sure someone's like rewinding right now to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting though too because I don't want to I don't want to shame parents, right? And, and the thing is, you know, sometimes consumption's okay. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> consumption's okay though, right? You know, I remember when my son was little and I just wanted time to you know, unload the dishwasher or go do a load of laundry and I'm just thinking, "Hey, 20 minutes of watching YouTube videos, just, you know, go for it. We all all need those breaks." But long term, I think if we we stick to creativity and collaboration and and look through that lens, I think we also prepare them for the future of work in a much more interesting and viable way. Has your son been doing much uh, work from home or vert work from home virtual schooling? <laughs> Yeah, he has. I mean, like many kids in Ontario, he has done a lot of virtual school, probably more than uh, in-person school over the past couple of years. And uh, at first I was thinking, hey, you know, this can actually work. He's really tech savvy. He understands how to navigate these online environments. He understands how to build friendships. And then after two weeks of online school, I was like, this is the worst thing that ever came into our household. Uh, school is much more than just uh, a learning environment. It's also an environment where kids learn how to socialize they get physical uh, exercise. So all of those pieces of school that we don't necessarily think about and, and prioritize, you started to realize during the virtual learning experience just how essential they are to the well-being of a child. What I've seen, uh, and 100% agree, uh, my, my son has been uh, virtual the whole time, and his computer skills have flown. Like, he can navigate, copy, paste, he can, all that stuff. It's amazing. But asking him to line up or queue up for something, completely forgotten how to. No social interaction. So to your point, it's school's way more than just reading, writing, and arithmetic. Yeah. I mean, I noticed this even, you know, think about how many months uh, we've seen restaurants closed or at reduced capacity in Ontario. So we've kind of limited how much we've gone out to eat. And uh, now with restaurants opening back up, you know, my 13 year old in restaurants, like using his fingers, he's forgotten about utensils. So uh, just burping at freely. It's like, we don't crap. do that here. Sure. You know, that's fine. And I sort of poke him like, Hey, we're, we're, at, we're out in public. Now is the time to <laughs> pick up that fork. And, uh, you know, you just, you forget that kids, you know, they don't necessarily have uh, long-term memories to the extent, extent that maybe we do. So for a lot of kids, uh, you know, they've lived in this COVID world, right, for the past couple of years. And, and that's become the norm and what they know, and they've adapted really well. But um, again, it's been just a, a challenge, I think, for so many kids and so many families. My two-year-old has never been inside of a food court. His mind is going to blow <laughs> the first time he realizes there's just all this food at his disposal. Uh, <laughs> I love it. 
Yeah, well, it's 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 been a crazy couple of years. Um, is there a piece of tech during this time that has made it easier for you? Uh, honestly, I think probably um, my Whoop band. Uh, I do not work with this company, but uh, it's a, a wearable device that uh, has no screen on it, like a traditional smartwatch. But uh, basically, it allows you to track things like your sleep, your strain, that would be your activity, um, all of those uh, metrics within the app that connects to the band. And, and one of the reasons it just worked for me is that you only have to charge it once a week for maybe 20 minutes uh, or more more. And it allows you to get all that data at your fingertips. And I say this is important during COVID, you know, as a parent, just trying to make sure that you get enough sleep, enough exercise. Uh, you can even monitor things like your respiratory rate. And uh, even when I got vaccinated, it was incredible just to see how things like your respiratory rate would spike. Um, and that was just a, a natural occurrence. And so for me, I think just having that data at my fingertips has been incredibly valuable and has helped me to kind of plan my days in a more conscious way. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. I uh, I have put on 30 pounds since COVID started. <laughs> I'm not even just a it's, big fatso with nowhere to go. <laughs> but but the thing is that you have to think too, like this happened to me as well. And, and you know, I'm trying to just break that cycle is that uh, in the, the early days of the pandemic, quite frankly, you know, I was more sedentary than I've ever been in my life, even though I would exercise, you know, as much as possible. But that was in a in stark contrast to pre-pandemic where I was traveling all the time, going out and meeting people, having lunches, moving all the time. And I really noticed it with the whoop in terms of my daily activity. You know, it used to be easy to get 10,000 steps and now I would struggle to get a few thousand steps. So listen, we've all gone through it and we just have to accept that, uh, you know what, we can always come back from this and uh, it is possible in a couple of months to really change your lifestyle and, and make sure that uh, you're on a healthier path. The I'm I'm gonna uh, pardon this saying this, but I'm gonna pivot back to your show. God, I hate the fact that I just said that. <laughs> um, have the business owners talked about um, what the return to office might look like, and are they calling everyone back or are they doing it split? Like, have you heard that from them? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, at least people who sort of live in the world of technology and in most of the time I'm interviewing companies that are relatively tech savvy. And I think they're much more flexible about this idea that um, remote work is here to stay and that uh, it will continue into the future. Uh, so I think that's been more uh, or less the majority of the messaging out of this series and every other conversation I'm having that uh, 
uh, remote work is uh, not going to go away anytime soon. And in some scenarios, it actually makes more sense uh, for more people, especially for people with families at home. So I don't really buy into this uh, narrative that people can't wait to get back to the office. I've heard that from a lot of people. I think it's, you know, potentially bad in terms of having more people sitting in cars commuting. I think it's potentially bad in terms of, you know, forcing people to be away from their families, especially if they have really young ones. So there's a reason this virtual world can be advantageous for everyone, whether it's for an individual personally or for the planet. Yeah. I, and I think to a certain extent, we've, we've changed our routine. This is the routine now. You gave us two years to get comfortable at home. <laughs> um, and, and it's a, it's a, it's the, the, the favor right now favors the employee. They're, you know, they're in demand. So it's out there. Um, yeah. Oh, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I just nodded my head in agreement with that because I think we've seen the stories of organizations that have said you have to come back to the office and then employees are saying we're not coming. And then all of a sudden there's been this power shift in an organization from this kind of, you know, top up power to this bottom uh, up power where individuals as employees do actually have a say in, in the future of how they work. And so for me, you know, for the most part, I'm hearing about this return to the office from people who have maybe invested in commercial real estate. So that uh, makes sense. You know, they want to kind of amp up this return to the office, but I think it's going to be a real struggle for a lot of organizations. Yeah, it, it's going to be about finding the balance. There's no right or wrong answer, and it'll it'll greatly depend on the individual um, and, and their situation. But uh, I think I think the the duality of it all is here to stay. I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, I'm going to ask you maybe a, a stupid question. Is there a piece of tech that you hate? Bluetooth. <laughs> okay. I'm not a fan of Bluetooth either. Why, why do you not like it? hype up Bluetooth and we have over the years of this incredible technology and I use it all the time. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, you know, whether you're connecting to uh, wearables or other internet of things devices, it can be incredibly helpful. I just find it to be the clumsiest of all technology. You know, yes. it, 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 it doesn't work as seamlessly as we would expect. And so I always try to tell people, you know, when, when you have to connect via Bluetooth, don't expect it to be a, a really seamless experience. So that would be the technology that I, I think it's more of a love-hate relationship. I recognize the advantages, but uh, at times we know that uh, it's certainly uh, a little bit clunky. I, I Maybe it's my old man syndrome, but I will <laughs> go out of my way to find a, a wired or corded item because I know it's going to give me way more reliability in that, that frustrating moment of will it connect or will it not connect oh, and then yeah. it, it, it disconnects from this device and adds to another device ah. well i mean even if you think about what we're doing right now in terms of uh virtual video which is something a lot of parents and individuals have to do on a regular basis I know throughout the pandemic, a lot of people will say, oh, don't worry, you know, I have AirPods, right? And I'm thinking, okay, like worst sound in the world, no disrespect to Apple, but, um, you know, plug in a, a USB microphone and, and throw in a pair of wired uh, headphones or an earpiece and, you know, a, a much more stable and reliable system in terms of virtual video. 100%. Uh, off camera, I have a mess of wires just holding this little, <laughs> little studio together. Uh, and it's because I... Anything that says wired, I'm like, uh, or wireless, I'm like, okay, I can find something wired. Um, 100%. Has there ever been a question so dumb you didn't know how to answer it? Because I'm sure you get lots of tech questions. 
I don't think so. I mean, the thing is, is that uh, I think that's kind of the problem in the technology space uh, okay. today and over the years is that, you know, I, I grew up in a time where, you know, often you would ask an IT manager or someone with tech experience uh, how to do something and they would kind of shoo you away and they would do it and never tell you how they did it. Or really, they were just restarting your computer, <laughs> really simple things. So there has been this barrier to uh, technology that has been um, kind of perpetuated over the years. And, and my approach to it is that there are really no uh, dumb questions. You know, it, it should be a, a space where we're all given uh, the ability to be able to learn and uh, also respect at the same time that, um, you know, sometimes technology can be really challenging and difficult. So I don't really believe in the idea that there are any dumb questions about anything. <laughs> You're such a nice person. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like that's nice. I feel like no, I feel it like is. <laughs> It's well, like, thank you. it's so not like, it's like, I, I'm trying to get you to be a little mean and you're just not, uh, like it's not in you. <laughs> and, and, and even when I, when I don't, you know, do my homework, I, I I'm curious what put you down this path of educating. Yeah. Yes. You, you have, you, you've got your media company, you're a spokesperson, you're, you know, you've done it all in this kind of environment. Um, but at the bare bones of it all, like you were a tech student. So how did you become a tech teacher? Well, uh, I, I think that I I am a very curious person. I went to journalism school, so I've loved this idea of explaining things to people and making things easy to understand. And so the marriage of both my journalism background and love of technology has kind of come together to allow me to do both of those things. And um, I also, you know, I'm an opportunist in the sense that I'm very entrepreneurial and I knew that there weren't a lot of people who were kind of demystifying technology uh, when the internet first started to uh, explode. And so I saw a real opportunity to do just that. So um, it was kind of a perfect storm of uh, things coming my way. And uh, also I, I just, I really like the idea of being able to make things accessible to people. I, 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 I believe that you can learn almost anything. I'm not saying that I, I, could do things like I can't fly a plane. I, I, I couldn't do, you know, overly uh, technical things in terms of, of building things. But I think generally speaking, most of us have the ability to learn pretty much anything in, in any industry. And um, I think we sometimes forget that or we lose confidence along the way as we become adults. I'm going to stop right there because I cannot top that kind of inspirational talk. Uh, Amber Mack, thank you so much for your time today. I greatly appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for having me and uh, congrats again on the show. Much appreciated. That's it. I told you. told you it was a good one. I'm going to make this That's It logo a little bit smaller today. Oh, it's in a weird spot. Maybe I'm not in my normal spot. Anyways, that's the show. Uh, Amber Mack is just a delight. Uh, I, I truly... Uh, tried to get her to be negative, even off camera. Uh, I was self-deprecating. Um, she just wouldn't bite. It's good. We need more people like that. But uh, definitely not my rhythm. <laughs> I'm used to. I'm used to some negativity. It's it's my sweet spot. I'm a cranky old man at my heart, and uh, couldn't get it out of her. So be more like Amber Mack and be less like me. That's the lesson of today's show. I want to thank DeanBlundell.com for hosting this fun little podcast. We continue to be huge in Slovenia. 
I'm not even lying. I have been charting in Slovenia every day this week. Um, and like, like really well, like within the top 50. So some Slovenian has decided they really like my show and are telling other Slovenians. Maybe I'm, maybe I should do a live show from Slovenia when all the restrictions are come down. So anyways, uh, that's enough about Slovenia. I'll learn more about it as I continue to chart in that area. <laughs> I started off thinking DeanBlendell.com. What the hell am I talking about? Uh, DeanBlendell.com. Uh, he has a fantastic podcast Monday through Friday, three ish. Uh, he's not so great with the accurate start times, but you can get his podcast anywhere you get your podcast as well as youtubes.com slash Dean tube. And, uh, I think that's all I want to talk about. Got, uh, Julie Burton. I didn't want to screw up her last name. So I had to look at my board, Julie Burton next week. Uh, if you don't know who she is, do a quick Google search. You'll find her on Instagram. She's a very funny mom, uh, who has written for all the big websites. When I say all the big websites, you know what I mean? All those parenting ones, uh, Huffington Post, the Buzzfeed, the, all those guys, uh, it's going to be a good one. So continue to tune in, continue to listen, continue to share and, uh, be well, be safe. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Damn. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast. But we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better... Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com and listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.